Good morning. In Psalm 63, we read, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I'll lift up my hands. Let us pray. God of grace, we open our hearts, minds and souls as we come before you this morning in prayer. We praise you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We praise you, Lord. We remember all your benefits to us. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for redeeming us and renewing our strength day by day. Lord, you're righteous, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for us and for all your creation. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. Without your life-giving breath, we are nothing but dust. Our life is like a flower of a field that flourishes and then is gone. But you rule over all, and your dominion is everywhere. From everlasting to everlasting, your love is with us, Lord. Lord, you are our shepherd. We lack nothing. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters, refreshing our soul in the midst of life's complexities and busyness. You guide us along the right paths, and even though we walk through the darkest valley with times of sadness, uncertainty and disappointment, we will fear no evil, for you are with us and bring comfort and well-being. You care for us even in the presence of our enemies, meeting all our needs. We know that your goodness and your love will follow us all the days of our lives, and we can rest in the assurance that we will dwell with you in your house forever. Lord, you made our world and the universe with all its marvellous order and infinite complexity. We ask for wisdom to be good stewards of your creation. Help us to use the resources of nature wisely so that all humanity may have needs met and so that future generations can enjoy both the beauty and bounty of creation. Lord, this morning we pray for our troubled world, for all the nations, from the smallest to the largest, from the most powerful to the seemingly most insignificant. Lord, we think particularly of the situation in Ukraine that is filling our media we pray for the innocent citizens who are caught up in this terrible situation. We pray for peace in this troubled region. Through your spirit, may superstition, fear, animosity and greed be removed and may the peoples of the earth learn to live in peace with one another. Lord, we pray for our country and our state. We thank you for the freedoms and the benefits that we enjoy in this nation. 
and sadly so often take for granted. Lord, at this time we particularly pray for the elections that are underway. We ask for the right governments to be appointed. We ask for men and women who know and trust you to be placed in positions of authority. Give our leaders divine common sense and wisdom to acknowledge you and to seek the strengthening power of your spirit. Lord, we pray again for the COVID situation that continues to bring such fear, turmoil and disruption to our world and to -to day-to-day lives. Lord, we humbly ask for your intervention. Please bring comfort to those who are directly affected and insight to those to find solutions for the challenges that are being faced, both medical and economic. Lord, we ask for your wisdom and direction in our own lives. Help us to know how to share your love with those we come into contact with, our neighbours, our work colleagues and our family. Lord, may others see in us your love and care for them. Lord, in your name we bring these prayers for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. Thank you, Anthony. Can we just just continue as in a state of prayer? I just want to continue to pray for uh, Ukraine situation. Just feel it on my heart to do that. And um, so, yeah, Lord, just sometimes we don't know what to pray, apart from help or work, Lord. And Lord, we've seen images of Ukrainian Christians on their knees out in the streets, joining together in prayer. And so Lord, right now we want to join with them, uh, unified uh, in your Son, and petition you, Lord, for you to work powerfully, supernaturally, uh, in a miraculous way uh, in that situation. Lord, we just pray for protection over the innocent. We pray for... um, your will to be done in that place as it is in heaven. So Lord, would you work in that space where we feel hopeless? We know that you are a strong God who powerfully works in your world. So Lord, come and have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And just before I get into sharing this morning, we were just so we're just worshiping and singing um, during that last song. Um, I just got the sense that there's someone here who really needs to hear the words of this first verse. Um, so I'm just going to read it again because um, sometimes we we just sing and we gloss over the importance of. <laughs> what's actually happening uh, in a lyric or in a moment. And I just get the sense that there is someone here who has an anxious soul. There is someone who is weary. There is someone who is longing for peace and rest that Jesus gives in his perfect love and comfort. So I just want to read this as a prayer to you, if this is for you. Come, you weary heart, now to Jesus. Come, you anxious soul, 
now and see that there is perfect love and comfort for your tears. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Lord, just pray right now that your wondrous peace would be present and would be making itself known to the people who need to hear this this morning, for their anxious soul to find rest and peace and know that your perfect love casts out all fear and that their, their tears have comfort for you are with them and you long to journey with them. Lord, may that, may that reality be known right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, we are in the middle of our series called Making a Difference. And uh, at the start of February, we, we launched our vision, really our focus for the year that we're wanting to, rather than sort of uh, react to everything that's happening around us, see every opportunity to make a difference in whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether that be uh, good or bad, surprising or planned. Uh, whatever comes our way, we are called as Christians, as Christ followers, to influence and make a difference in our world. And so the last, uh, all of February, we've been doing this series on making a difference. And the thing about uh, this is it has an application in many different ways. It's not just one area, but it's our personal lives. How, how, how can we this year be focusing on our, our relationship with Christ, coming to a fully, fuller understanding of who we are in him and what he has done for us, the joy that it is to be in right relationship with him and walking with him every day. And, and in that one, in that that sermon I said, there's one thing I want you to take home, that is prioritise time with Christ every day. Every day, make it a priority. Whether it be five minutes or five hours, it doesn't matter, but every day, walk with Jesus. And then we talked about uh, making a difference in our church. As we, we come together, as we're filled with the Spirit, as we come alive in Him and find a new identity in Him, we want to gather together and, and come together as, as his family and in that build one another up. And in that I said it's important that we one another one another. The, the scriptures are full of forgive one another, carry one another's burdens, spur one another on, uh, give a word to one another, forgive one another, love one another. And that's the, as we come together as a church, we build one another up in that. And today, um, we're going to be speaking about making a difference in our world. As a church, as individuals, we desire, don't we, to make a difference in the world. We don't want to just live our lives and have no impact on people or situations around us. And so we've been looking at and using Ephesians as kind of an underpinning uh, verse for this whole series where it says that we're his workmanship, we're created, we are designed for good works. We're not designed to just simply live and have our being and work and get our superannuation and go on retirement and, and pass away. We're, de we're designed for something so much more. 
We are designed to be influencers and change makers and, and world changers. So we are designed in Christ Jesus for good works. And the good thing is that he's actually prepared them in advance for us to walk in them. It's not, oh, I'm going to try and do, do, do this and do that. But again, it's this outgoing uh, flow that when we're right with Christ, when we get our relationship right with him and when we are, are planted in the community of God and we are built up, out of that we come to understand his purposes and his plans for each and every one of us and we find our fit and we find our gifts and we walk in them. And part of that walking in them is making a difference in our world. We don't want to just make a difference in the church and serve and love one another. We actually want to then take that, the good news of Christ, and and make a difference in the world. And, of course, um, the Great great Commission uh, says this in Matthew as well, but I've got Mark's today because Mark's often gets a bit left out, poor, poor Mark. And Jesus told them, the disciples, go into the world. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That is the commission. That is the the call on Christ followers, is the call on the church. And for this morning, I want to just look at a a passage in um, Matthew that um, helps us to understand this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You see, salt is a change agent. It has an effect on food and on other things. It, 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 has, it has a purpose behind it. It's, it's not just something that, that you throw in in your cooking, but it does something. It affects its, its surroundings. Salt has an effect. It's a change agent. And you and I are called to be change agents in our spheres of influence. As we talk to our neighbours, as we go into our works, into our schools, we are called to be salt. We are called to be change agents, influencers, uh, having an effect on that community, on the people that we, we meet. So if, if we lose that effectiveness, that change agentness, then then we don't actually have that effect in, in the world. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Whoa. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> a, town on a, a, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the world, in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way as salt is a change agent, light actually gives, illuminates and, 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 and shows truth and, 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 and dispels darkness. And our world is a broken world, a dark world. And we as a church are called to be a light on the hill. We don't hide a light, we don't put a light under a bowl, but we put it up high on the roof because that way it can disperse its light and give light and, and change 
the, the circumstances and, and the world in which it's turned on in. And we as the church are called to be that light again as we head out uh, into the world, as we want to make a difference in the world, we are called to be the light that guides and gives people insight into the reality of who God is and what he has done for us. It's interesting that Jesus says that he's the light of the world and then he turns it around on us and says, you are the light of the world. That is because you and I, as we talked about in the church, are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet. We are, we are the, the mechanism in which Jesus now outworks his mission in the world. Um, Jesus came and he showed the way. He, he, he showed us what it meant to live and to minister and his purposes and his gospel. And, and, he said, and the disciples were worried because he was going to go away. He says, I'm going to send another, a comforter, and he's going to be with you and he's going to guide you. And as he guides us, he guides us in his truth to now continue the work of the gospel here in the world. So we are called to let our light shine. Now, some of you might go, oh, but little old me, what can I do? What change can I bring about? What difference can I make? As I think about my workplace or the school that I work in, or my neighbours, or maybe the maybe I've got a, a hobby group, a, a writing group, or a, a craft group that I, that I'm involved in. How can I, as as a little old me, make a difference in that? How can I do anything? Well, I've got a little cartoon here. Uh, here's you with a light of Christ inside you, letting your light shine. And there's a whole heap of people who look pretty grumpy and upset they're in a dark place they're a broken world and they don't know the truth they don't know the life of Christ and as you stand amongst them as your saltiness has an influence on its surroundings you so begin to have an effect on those around you and that in cause has an effect Marion, what is it? Synergy? As we get together, the, the sum continues on further and, and before we know it, we have made a difference in our world. Now, I was thinking about this little cartoon. Uh, it's a fun little thing, isn't it? But I, I was thinking if there was... There's 70 to, to 80 um, adults after the, the kids go out to their... Um, kids on on general sort of as an average imagine if each and every one 70 or 80 of us had that effect on that many people now it doesn't have to happen tomorrow maybe it takes a lifetime do you know this church would be 2,000 strong if that was the case that's not taking into consideration the effect that the next person then has on their world and the next person has on their world that's how Jesus wants the church to let his light shine and to have an effect on the world around us. Uh, last week I talked about this word ecclesia, which is the word for the church uh, in, in, the, in the scriptures. And it has two purposes. Number one, it is the gathering, it is the assembly of those who are called and those who know Christ 
And that's what we talked about last week. The gathering together, where two or three are gathered together, he is there. And we one another one another. And there is a sense of building up. There is a sense of being edified. The purpose of the church is as you come in from your week and you might be a bit knocked down, you might um, have had trouble, you might have um, be weary and anxious. And as you come and gather and as you worship, as you hear the word of God proclaimed, as the person alongside you loves you and speaks into your life, you are built up. You are edified. Remember a couple of months ago, Dan Pislak talked about pinging. <laughs> he was pinging. That's the purpose of the church, of Ecclesia, is in the gathering we are called, we are built up, we are edified. And then the second one is it's the sent out ones. That's what that word means. So not only do we gather and come together and built up, but we're sent out. So we're built up. And we're sent out. And then we're built up and we're sent out. Now, it's very hard to be built up if we're not together. And it's hard to be sent out into the world if we haven't then first come together. So, again, I go on about the passage in Hebrews. Don't, don't give up on meeting together as some have, have done. But it's important that we, we gather together. So we're sent out, and, and as we have our weeks and as, as we head out into our spheres of influence and as we, we let our light shine and our, our, our salt be salty, you know, we might come up against some opposition or we might have some wins, and then we come back together and we share the wins and we share the opposition and we pray for the opposition and we celebrate the wins and we're built up, and then we're sent out again. And then we have some opposition and we have some wins and we come and we share and we're built up again. So that's the point of the church. So if we want to make a difference in the world, again, there's a snowball effect. We can't make a difference in the world unless we're first connected with Christ, unless we're first transformed from the inside out and there's a desire in us to outwork his goodness. At the end of this, we're going to sing a song that says, stir it up in our hearts. And it's my prayer that as we sing that, God would stir up something in our hearts, that we'd have a passion for his name. So we're going to come back to that point, and that as we're transformed from the inside out, as, we, as we're made into a new creation, then we, we join with others and we celebrate his goodness and we build one another up, strengthened in his power and his strength to go out and bear witness to his goodness. That's how we make a difference in the world. I came across um, my... Youth pastor when I was this big is now in charge of Wesley Mission in Sydney, uh, and he po- he posted this, which was a previous pastor who was in charge of Wesley Mission's quote, and he said there is a great betrayal occurring in church today in some sections of the Christian church. It is the betrayal of seeing no importance in seeing men and women consciously reconciled to God. So a presence in the world is supposed to be enough, whatever that may mean. So social services, marriage counselling, coffee shops, social protests become substitutes for the harder task of winning people to Christ. Now, not saying that any of those things are bad or shouldn't be done, 
But there is a purpose here that we're missing if we don't look at the harder task of actually sharing the gospel and winning people to Christ. Unless the church reaches people at the deepest level of all, unless it seeks and sees to the establishment of new relationships with God, it fails them in the end. Wow. Pretty powerful, isn't it? We fail people if the ultimate goal isn't them being reconciled to Christ as you and I are reconciled to Christ. That is our call and that is our commission to go into all the world and preach the good news that others may come to know and have that same relationship with Christ. So this morning I want to again give you one thing to take home. You're waiting for that one thing, weren't you? I'm going to get onto it in a minute. But before we get onto that, I want to talk about Jesus' mission. Because Jesus said that the Son of Man, that is him, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That fits in with that quote. Jesus came to reach the lost. When we look at Luke 15, we've got these parables of things that are lost. That you know, He leaves the 99 sheep you know, off to go to find the one that's lost. Or the lost son that comes, you know, we, we might judge the lost son, yet it's the celebration in heaven that happens when he comes home. That's his heart. When Jesus was in the, in the, the synagogue, the scroll got passed to him and he, and he read from the prophet Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is how Jesus sees his mission. And now Jesus passes that mission on to you and I to have an effect, to be salt and light in the world. So how do we make a difference in the world? Before we get on to that, I want to talk about accents. Okay? Now, I want to talk about accents. Do you know that you speak with an accent? The South Africans over there are laughing. Should I say South Africans? (laughs) You speak with an accent. You don't know that you speak with an accent until you're around people that speak differently to you. So if I had someone from Ireland or Scotland or from the south of America or something and I was put into that situation, they would say to me, wow, you've got an accent. But I would say to them, no, you've got an accent. We don't realise that we've got an accent until we're around people that sound different to us. When I was um, in the band, we started touring the East Coast And our band used to get um, paid out a lot because they said, are you English? Because the Adelaide accent sounds very English. We're very proper and posh in the way way that we speak. We're not ochre. And so we say things like like pool, not pool, and school, not school, and um, dance, not dance. And, And so 
we, we get like that's like, are you English? It's like, no, I'm an Australian. But then I'd hang around the East Coast people for a long tour and I'd come home and, and my wife, then girlfriend, would say, well, who are you? <laughs> you've turned into this ochre Australian because you've been around these people. So we all speak with an accent. We don't realise it until we're around people who speak differently to us. And, and when, when that happens, we say they've got the accent, not us. Do you know that you see the world with an accent? You look at the world and see the world with an accent. And you don't know that you see the world this way until you're around other people who see the world differently to you. Whether that be you know, social situations or political things that are going on. When you're around a group of people, say a group of Christians, and you all look at the world the same way, And then you as a Christian head into your workplace, head into your schools, head into your neighbourhoods, and oh my goodness, they they look at the world differently. And they would say that you look at the world. (laughs) They would say you've got an accent with the way you look at the world. So there's something going on here. What I want to talk about, one of the biggest things that we can do in making a difference in the world is to realise that we see the world differently. Now, a couple of months ago, I did a sermon about um, needing glasses, and lo and behold, the time has come. Um, And, ooh, you look different. (laughs) Um, And so I've, I've... gone and got glasses, um, but I've noticed something, and something that I've never noticed before because I never had glasses on, is that they often get smudged, and you have to clean them, and the way I view the world now, because I haven't been wearing these for very long, they've actually got dust on them, and I, I, can, I can sense that I'm, I'm looking at you through dust, and the longer we, we wear glasses, the more scratches they get, and the more smudged they get. Uh, my son, Joel, who wears glasses because he's really severe, severely uh, impaired in his sight. He, he's a young kid and he plays in the playground and, oh, oh, my goodness, sometimes I pick him up and I go, how can you see? How can you even see? Because it's so so smudged and so cracked and so dirty. Do you know, there are things that happen in our lives that cause there to be dust and smudges and scratches whether it be unforgiveness, whether it be trauma, whether it be fears, whether it be circumstances that affected us, and they get us to look at the world through the lens of those experiences, through the lenses of those things that have happened to us. And we don't know that those smudges and those cracks are there. If we want to change the world, we've got to see the world through God's eyes. We've got to look upon his creation the way that he sees it. And it's not, you can do a very small, quick Bible study on the way God views the world 
and you'll come up with all the same sort of thing. Anthony prayed this morning, he is, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger and abounding in love. He's compassion, mercy, love, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Sometimes we see the world and we see the brokenness, we see the darkness, and we want to run away. We want to run away and hide, or we want to wait out our time till heaven comes. But God sees the world that he made and he loves, and he sees the brokenness, and he doesn't have the lenses that have the scratches. He has... He has, doesn't have an accent when he looks at the world. He sees it for what it really is. Jesus said that the truth will set you free. Do you know that word truth isn't, isn't um, knowledge, it means reality. So the reality of who God is, his gospel, what he's done for us, is going to be what sets people free. And we need to clean our lenses or we need to actually put on (laughs) we need to see the way people Jesus views them this is the one thing do you know these are sunglasses they're (laughs) thank you that that was the reaction I was looking for (laughs) we need to look through the lens of the way Jesus sees people because Jesus when we look at the way he lived and moved and had his way he was he was uh, considered to be a drunkard and a glutton and hanging out with prostitutes because he loved those the unlovable if we see the way that Jesus went about his his being and his ministry He loved people. People were his number one priority. Sometimes we see people as a problem. Sometimes we see people as uh, evil, people to avoid. Jesus didn't have a lens through which he looked down on people, but he loved them with no accent. So your one thing to take home from today is to see people the way Jesus views them because people are important. Now, I just want to do one little quick exercise with you this morning to to help us flesh this out a bit. Um, I don't want to be uh, insensitive to anyone who might have had, had this situation happen to them, but imagine that you were given the news that you have 30 days to live. Whatever that situation may be, it might not be medical, there might be some other thing, but it's a, it's, a, it's a secure thing. You know that there are only 30 days that you've got left on this earth. What would you want to spend that 30 days doing? You've got, only got 30 days. What do you want to spend that 30 days prioritizing just have a think about it for a moment and then find someone next to you 
And if you're at home and you're with someone, you can do this. If you're in the car and there's someone driving next to you, you can do this. Just spend 20 seconds, 30 seconds telling the person next to you what are some of the things that you want to do with that 30 days you've got. All right, well, is anyone, anyone brave enough to just, just shout out some of the things that came to mind? Spend time with family. Yep. Clean out all the cupboards for the next person. Typical Judy Potter answer right there. Love it. <laughs> Anything else? Yep. Getting the things in order so that it would be easier for the people to leave. Okay, so yeah, getting getting your things sorted to, so that it, it's not hard for family or whatever to disperse your things and or wills and things like that. Yep. Anything else? Yep. If I have any money to give away, um, I would want to research who to actually what okay. quality um, person for organisation. Yeah. So you want to you want your lives, earnings, and efforts to actually be meaningful and to actually go towards something that makes a difference. In the world. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Kieran said eating ice cream. Eating, eating ice cream? Yeah. Classic. Classic. Sorry, connecting with people. Connecting with people. Not sitting at home. Yeah. yeah. I, I doubt many of you would want to, like, make sure you get the promotion at work or, or finish, <laughs> finish the project that you've got going on. <laughs> like, that, that's just gone out of your minds because you've only got this short amount of time. You quit your job. Interesting, isn't it? it? But what's interesting there is that a lot of your answers are to do with people in your life. Whether it's making sure the loved ones that are left find it easy or whether it's spending time with them. Uh, I'm sure one of you or more than one of you would have said, you know, you, you want your family to come to know Jesus. So there was, there was a survey of bucket lists in, done in America and they surveyed Gen X people, you know, what their bucket list was. And it was travel and it was cars and it was, you know, all of this stuff. And then they surveyed baby boomers and it was spending time with family. It was setting themselves up for family to be looked after. There's the maturity there in years to see what life is about and what's a priority, what is important to you. And so what you've just done there is you've identified what's most important to you, what you value most, and for most of you it's relationships, it's family, it's the people around you. So that's what's most valuable and important to you. Now, I'm gonna, you might get annoyed with me here for what I'm about to say, but if that's the most important thing in your life, then why aren't you doing it now? Why do you have to wait for 30 days news to be entering into and doing the most important thing in your life? See, people are what are most important. People are what are most important to Jesus as Jesus looks at the world 
He sees people. He's come to save and to seek and save the lost. And so we need to view people the way Jesus views people. And this is going to make the biggest difference. If we want to be salt and light, if we want to be change agents, if we want to make a difference in our world, the one thing I want you to take home from this is to see people as Jesus views them, as people in need of a saviour, people in need of love, in the same way that you received grace and mercy and love, that same grace and mercy and love is for each and every person. God so loved the world that he gave his son for them. It says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, really interesting uh, sentence. He says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. <clears throat> now I've got the NLT version there because in, in the NIV or another translation you might have, we've stopped evaluating people from, from the flesh or from a worldly point of view. What Paul's actually saying there is that, um, and in previous writings he says, you know, we don't live for the flesh, we live for the spirit. Uh, the, the old is gone, the, the flesh that controlled us, our selfish ways, and we now live for, alive in Christ with the Spirit in us. So what Paul's saying here is we stop looking at people, we stop evaluating people based on outward appearance or on what they do or say or react to because that's, that's looking at them from a human point of view, from a, from a fleshly, like, selfish point of view, we're judging them. But now as new creations in Christ and alive in the Spirit, we now view and look differently. We clean our glasses and we look at them. And in the same way that some of us, particularly if we've, we've had a miraculous coming to Christ, we might have in previous times looked at Jesus and, and laughed and looked at him in a fleshly, worldly, selfish point of view. But now as we've come to know what he's done for us and the joy and the, the fruits of the Spirit that are now alive in us, we look at him differently in the same way we are to look at others differently. Um, I, um, in my early youth group days, um, I was the youngest of three brothers and my older two brothers had all the friendships and I was that little kid that just got dragged along and invited into the friendship group of my, my brothers. And um, one of the guys who was four or five years older than me was um, going into the police force. And many years uh, later, I had become a youth pastor and he had become a policeman and we met up and... I was sharing sort of you know what I what I did with my day, and I'm a youth pastor. I'm, I'm at Aberfoyle Park, and he said to me, "Oh, do you ever do any work with any of the youth that sort of hang out at the hub shopping centre?" And I'm like, "Well, I guess I do. Yeah, we work in the schools, and some of those kids would, I guess, come to our church and youth group." And I said, "Oh, do you do you work with those those young people too? As in, you know, good, compassionate, 
serving police officer that you know looking after these young people that are in trouble do, do you do, do you work with those kids as well and he said no nah, nick them <laughs> that nick them is arrest them like he just had this this hatred of like pesty horrible little kids that get what they deserve that that's how i treat them sometimes we have that same attitude when we look at our neighbor or we look at our work colleague or we we look at people in our lives we just say oh they they just need to get what they deserve rather than looking on them as the way Jesus does with compassion and love as someone who they might be like that for a reason and when you dig deeper and you see the scars and you see the trauma and you see the family situation that they're brought up in, no wonder they're acting out. What they need is love. What they need is someone to care for them and to show them that they are created. They are a beautiful, wonderful creation, created in the image of God. And we are to view them the same way. There's some pretty confronting passages in Luke chapter 6. And you might go home and read all all of Luke 6 this afternoon if you want to. But this is where Jesus really confronts this whole thing. He says, what good is it if you love those who love you? Even even the the pagans or the sinners do that. What good is it if you show compassion and and love those who, who... like?" What, what credit is it to you? In other words, you need to, there'll be credit to you if you go and love those who are unlovable, who don't love you. And in that passage, he says, do not judge. It's pretty, pretty blatant, isn't it? Pretty straightforward. Yet the reality is, whether we're aware of it or not, when we look at people through our accented lenses, we judge. He later then goes on to say, it's that famous passage, why are you going on about the, the speck of dust in your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? First of all, take the log out and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And that's what cleaning the lenses is doing. We might not know that we've got brokenness and we've got things that have happened in our lives that affect our accented view on people. But that's the log that Jesus speaks about. And it's obvious to him. Sometimes we've been wearing glasses with a big scratch or a big log in it for so long that it's not obvious to us don't even know it's there, or we've learnt to live with it. We've learnt to live with a judgmental spirit. We've learnt to live with looking down on people that live differently to us. And Jesus is saying, get out your microfiber cloth, (laughs) clean your accented lenses, and start looking at these people the way I see them, dearly and wonderfully loved, child of God, created in my image, and I laid my life down for them 
over the last few weeks, I'm, can I get the music team up? There have been a couple of times where we've encouraged in a moment of worship or prayer for the Lord to bring to mind people that he wants us to let our light shine to. And I want us to do that again this morning. As you think about your spheres of influence, the people that you meet day by day, whether it be your neighbours, your work colleagues, your friends, your family, some of your family are in need of this, we are called to be change agents in those areas. One of the best ways of doing that is to see people the way Jesus sees them. And sometimes we need something to stir up in our hearts to actually be able to do that because we've got a log in our eye, because we judge. And so we go into our workplace or we talk to our neighbour and we're we're unaware of the fact that here is a person who's dearly loved by God and who God genuinely wants to connect with and be in relation with because he's done everything to make that possible. And we miss an opportunity. And we miss, miss seeing that person as someone who really needs forgiveness and grace and love. So as we sing this next song, we're going to invite, it's a song of inviting the Spirit to be at work amongst us. And in the bridge it says, stir it up in our hearts. And I pray that as you've been listening this morning, there might be one or two names that come to mind for you to shed light in that situation, to be salty and and effective in bringing about change in that person's life. So can we stand? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here. Thank you that your spirit is ministering to us. Lord, as we sing this next song, we invite you to bring to mind clearly people in our lives that perhaps we've just overlooked or neglected. Perhaps they're troubled people that we find difficult. Are you calling us right now to be built up, to be sent out, and to shine our light in that situation and to partner with you in seeking and saving the lost? So, Lord, bring to mind people family members, work colleagues, children, politicians, leaders, shopkeepers, gardeners, people that we come in contact day after day. And Lord, as we sing, take the logs out of our eyes clean our lenses, help us to put on 
unadulterated lenses to see people as you see them. And as we go out from here, it might seem impossible to change the world, but Lord, just like the starfish being thrown back into the sea, if we can change one person, it makes a difference. One person makes a difference. So Lord, stir it up in our hearts now. As we sing, would you come and have your way amongst us? And Lord, I've just, again, been prompted by this person who is anxious, who is weary. Again, as we sing, as we invite the Spirit, Lord, would you minister to them? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you come upon them with power? Reveal yourself, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to a close today, I just want to say thanks, Sam, for that reminder again about what's most important in our lives. And I personally feel very convicted by the things that were shared and just the simple words of Jesus about life and reality. And, uh, you know, I just pray that as you leave today, something that has been shared from the front would just resonate inside. And I just encourage you to, to take that alone with God and, and just mull over that thing that has really spoken to you today. I know that I certainly have got um, some real things to pray about. So thank you, Sam, for your word today. Um, Just a reminder, if you'd like to stay for anyone to pray with you, we do have the prayer room at the back and there'll be someone there who can pray for you right now. Whether any situation that you would like to pray for, you're welcome to be there. Otherwise, join us for tea and coffee and thanks for coming. God bless. Thanks for joining us online. We pray you have a wonderful day at home and uh, have a wonderful week. God bless.